across the world, real estate agents are underachieving. They're missing out on millions of dollars in commissions. My name is Pat Hyben, and in the past 27 years, I've sold over 6,000 homes, selling over a billion dollars in real estate volume. My plan is to interview agents from across the world and help all agents create their destiny. This episode is brought to you by Rebus University. Hey guys, Pat here. You've heard me talk about Rebus University and the success we're having with it. Have over 120 people taking the listing agent course right now as we speak. Wanted to read you a, a comment. I've got seven comments, all five star comments on it. And it says, wow, first class material. Jeff Cohn is a rock star. Rachel Adams is a rock star. All the presenters deliver tons of value. Thank you, Pat, for drawing out that little extra from each presenter. If you are a realtor or thinking about becoming one, invest in yourself with Rebus University. I couldn't say it better. Dion hit it right on the head. We've had a ton of people graduate. The other day I read off the list. We've had a lot of people in there talking on the dialogue section. Some of the, the greatest things that people like are, are the way we talk about rapport building, commission enhancements, sales techniques, objection handling, all the good stuff that are going to help you beat your competition over and over again on listing appointments and never, ever, ever lose a listing again to a competitor. And we make sure that by creating quizzes, there's 42 tests that you got to take and get an 80% or better on before you get your certificate as a pass for a certified listing agent. So as a listener of the show, I, I have a coupon. It's a hundred bucks off. Just go to hybendigital.com backslash discount, hybendigital.com backslash discount. It'll take you to the Rebus site. And uh, on the Rebus site, which is rebusuniversity.com, you can look at, you can even play in some of the modules. You can look at a couple of the, the videos for free, kind of take it for a test run highly recommend it and of course when you get the course on how to win every listing you get 28 downloads that are completely downloadable print them out change them make put your name on and make them the way you want that all these eight agents from around the world who are top 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 listing agents use on a daily basis when they go on their listing appointment so in addition to the 10 hours plus of video the 42 quizzes and the 28 downloads you get all of that and then you get a discussion board where you can talk to other rebus students at the same time so hybendigital.com backslash discount now on with the show Okay, Rockstar Nation, we have a great guest today. I got Mr. Mark Walker on the line from Luxmana Investments. And you guys know that I just think it is a crying shame that so many real estate agents out there do not walk the talk. That they'll sell a house to an investor, but they have no investments themselves. That they'll jump up and down about real estate. But they own very little, if not none, beyond their primary residence at all. And if you're renting and a real estate agent, 
that's a problem. You need to buy right away. Well, Mark is a guy that, you know, started out just like everybody and uh, has moved his way up to buying apartments. And he's got a lot of great things today to share about, you know, his journey and investing in today's market. So I'm excited. And I think that this is pertinent to everybody because if, if you don't own properties, you don't own other houses, you need to, right? There's no retirement plan for real estate agents. Zero, none, zip. Get out there and buy some houses and create your own passive income. So, Without further ado, Mark, welcome to Pat Hyben Interviews Real Estate Rockstars. Thanks so much, Pat. I am really excited to be here. Why don't you give our audience a little bio on you there, Mark, so we can get to know you better. Yeah, you bet. Well, you know, I started out as a part-time investor as early as 2004, and at the time, I was employed full-time in high-tech. And I'm just that regular guy that, you know, got an itch for real estate and started buying small and just worked my way up. And about a year ago, I escaped the corporate rat race. And now I focus on investments full time. That's awesome. So you had a regular job. I sure did. Uh, I was in uh, senior management for a high tech company called Seagate Technology. They did hard disk drives, which you know we all have in our computers and our consumer devices and stuff like that. Uh, did the typical eight to five, oftentimes a lot more hours than that every single week. Uh, and you know, when it came to corporate Pat, one thing that just drove me nuts is that no matter how high up. I was in that company or, or anyone, it seemed like no one had the power to say yes. Everyone had veto power, but no one was allowed to say yes. And so when I looked at my real estate business and you know how quickly I was able to make decisions and you know I was able to do that with the help and partnership of my lenders, my property managers, my insurance agent, uh, everyone, we were able to make decisions really quickly and say yes really fast. And I looked at how quickly my real estate business was growing, and it just didn't make sense to do the corporate gig anymore. So that's awesome. I I love that you know thought process of having the ability to say yes. I mean, it comes with the ability to say no, and there's a lot of pressure involved with that. But uh, I know every day of the week, I you know I'm grateful for having the ability to say yes if I feel like it. <laughs> that's right. So, okay, buddy. So, uh, let's talk about your first house. So, when did you buy your first rental property? Well, that was back in 2004. I bought a, a duplex in uh, Inglewood, Colorado. And oh, yeah. I'll tell you what, I, I got the itch because I read the, the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And this was my very first deal. And I was pumped because it had a 36.5% cash on cash return in the first year. Uh, after that, I just had this fire lit under me. Uh, like I said, it was just a small duplex in a, in a nice market in South Denver. And I got it leased up, and I owned that deal for about a year or two. And uh, after that, I, I, never, I, didn't, I didn't go back into another investment. At that, that time, the market was getting really tough. Uh, for, uh, for 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 me and I, nothing was penciling, so I sat the next few years out. You sat him out. That was smart. So uh, what Mark is saying is essentially, guys, a cash on cash investment is the return you get on the cash that you put in. It's different from uh, what you might hear in commercial real estate, which is cap rate, which is um, the whole price. So I'll give you an example with easy numbers. If you 
are buying a house for 100000 and you put 20% down on it, which is 20000 right? And you get 10000 back that first year, right? Profit. You've essentially made 50% of your cash back, which is a 50% cash on cash, okay? Uh, what a cap rate is, is if you bought a house for a hundred grand, irregardless of loan, irregardless of, of any of that, and you made 50,000, that would be actually a 50 cap, right? Uh, which is unheard of. So I want you to understand the difference of cash on cash. He's talking about 36% on the cash that he put into it. Okay. Keep going, brother. Yeah, that, that, that's right. And, and, you know, one thing I'll add to that, Pat, is that, you know, I think back then the the banks were even paying a higher interest rate on your savings. You know, it's probably like one, one and a half percent. It's even less today. But, you know, a 36% return compared to what the bank was paying to, to leave it in my savings account was, was, a, was a huge delta. And that was just pre-tax. You know, post-tax, there's so many benefits, too, to owning real estate that your post-tax return is typically, uh, with, with some exceptions, even higher. So, yeah, exciting stuff. It definitely lit a fire underneath me, and, and, and I was hooked after that. So after sitting a few years out, you know, which turned out to be a blessing in disguise because you know, the market took its turn, uh, about 2010, I started to get involved uh, again, started networking, and I met a general contractor, and we decided to team up together and scrape some single-family homes and build uh, a, you know, duplexes in a real trendy part of Denver. The first one was in um, an area called the Highlands in Denver. And before that one was even finished, we had another opportunity to do one just down the street on the trendy Berkeley side. Okay, so, so let me get this straight. So what you, what you mean by scrape is mean you buy a, a piece of crap old house, you knock it down, and you put up a duplex, two townhouses connected. Yep, sure did. Sure okay, did. Got it. And then obviously the zoning has to work for that, right? Because, you know, you get a, a, a historic street or something like that with all these nice old houses on it, and you do, they might not let you put up a little uh, side by side. But, but you're able to do that, no problem. Yeah, you know, and, and it's funny that you bring that up because the, the first one we did in the Highlands uh, was actually the last one that, they, that the city approved. To, to do that because that exact scenario Pat played out there were some older houses there and some of the home, homeowners on the streets didn't like the idea of these large duplexes you know getting built right up next to their house and I, I, I can I could relate to that but you know that turned out to, to work out really nicely because we were the last ones to be approved and you know it made it really easy to sell that one yeah so, okay cool so so what did you do with that did you rent it out or did you flip it you know, we ended up flipping it. Uh, we did a party well agreement, and we sold each side off. Party anyway, well? What's that? Uh, that's essentially where, you know, instead of selling the entire duplex, you're able to deed uh, each side of the duplex um, separately, even though they share a wall. Kind of like subdivided the lot almost, but they share the wall. Exactly. And, exactly. and, and not made it a condo. That, that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's awesome. That's great. Uh, and you're able to do that. How much money did you make on that? Uh, you know, I made, um, you know, in total, I took about $60,000 away from the first one. And uh, my, my partner who actually did all the work, he ended up making, you know, uh, probably about uh, 150000 on that. 
And what I did is, you well, know, wait a minute. I, what, so you made 210 G's on, on a flip, which was brilliant. And what you have a 70, 30 split or something. Yeah, you know, it was actually structured slightly differently than that. Um, I don't know what the percentage was because I just took a flat return on my money, the money uh, that I put in. Okay. Um, I took a 40% return on. And then, uh, you know, my partner who was the general contractor and, you know, did that for a living, he, he took the rest. Wow, that was a great deal. And how long did that take? Uh, that took about 12 to 15 months okay. uh, per deal. I'll take that. And, you know, and, 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 and that's one of the things, Pat, that, you know, you know, I love about multifamily is development projects are great, but your money's tied up entirely for 12 to 15 months. And one of the things I love about multifamily is that, you know, even, even while your money is tied up and while you're renovating a property, you're still renting out units and getting income off of that property. But uh, I don't mean to sidetrack us. So after, after that, I decided to start reinvesting my gains into buying rental properties. So starting in 2011, I started buying rentals. And the market was very favorable uh, here in Colorado when I started doing that. I mean, everything felt like was a dime a dozen. I would not touch any property that I could not get a 20% or greater cash-on-cash return on in the first year. Okay. And that goes back to what we said before. So his rule, which we've talked about other rules on the show before, many being the you know something similar to the 1% rule, which is um, – you know, the rent being 1% of the total value. So if you buy a house for, again, using the number at 100, you want the rent to be a thousand or more, which, you know, the cash on cash on that, it, you know, it, of course, it's all dependent on what your expenses are, taxes, interest rate, loan, all that stuff. So what, you know, what he's saying is what I, uh, and I won't repeat it is, is, the money that he put in and the return that he got. So like how much money, what price houses were you buying, Mark, and how much were you putting into them? Oh, I bought, uh, I bought one-bedroom condos as little as uh, $26,000 to single-family homes up to about $150,000 during how, that time how, frame. And how yeah. much were you putting down? I was putting down 20% to 25%. There was one rule that the bank that I was working with had, and that was in a uh, condominium complex, if more than 50% of the units in there were non-owner occupied, then they taxed me another 5% on my down payment. So I put down as little as 20%, which is what I did most of them on. But on a few of them, I had to do 25% down. Yeah, and that's not bad. At least they let you do it. You know, a lot of the loans, they don't let you do it. So yeah. um, at least they let you buy them. So, okay. So let's look at that. So you bought condos a lot. You, do you like condos? I love condos. And here's why. Because post-tax, I get the greatest return on, on condos. You know, when it comes to, you know, doing uh, depreciation or your phantom expenses, it's sometimes referred to on your taxes. You you can only uh, depreciate the structure or the the improvements uh, on that piece of land. Well, a condo obviously takes up a much larger footprint on a piece of land, so you're able to depreciate a greater percentage of uh, of your purchase price. And so, dollar for dollar. Wait a minute! I wait a minute! Wait a minute! You, so we need to slow this down. First of all, the the one benefit that you got from jumping out of your job, or maybe you were taking this before, was that you were able to claim the real estate professional designation on your taxes, right? That's right. Okay. And when you claim the real estate professional designation on your taxes, you're able to 
depreciate rental properties. And the way they depreciate rental properties is they remove the value of the land because the land is the land and they, and they take what is left, which is a structure, and they say that structure is going to start falling apart and it's going to be worth less and less like a car is, is the theory. So explain to me what you're saying now that that's kind of uh, spelled out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, with a typical single-family home, the, there's, a, there's a general rule of thumb that you can typically take 80% of your acquisition price and you can say that that is how much I paid for the actual building. The other 20% of the purchase price we safely assume is land. Now, again, this is a general rule of thumb. Sure. Yeah, sometimes it varies depending on the property. Well, that 80% of the purchase price, you can basically divide by 27 and a half years, and you can write that off as a depreciation expense on your taxes. Well, we all know that you, know, you didn't actually have an expense you know, for that on your P&L, you know, uh, during the year, that wasn't actual ca additional cash that you divvied out, but that's one of the benefits is that you can uh, write that off as a depreciation expense on your taxes. Well, in single family home, that may be 80% of the purchase price. With, with a condo, you have a much larger footprint of the building. There's less land associated with the, 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 the actual you know, piece of property that you just bought. So you get so you, more depreciation. Yeah, exactly. And, and that, that amount might vary. It might be, might be 90%. It might be greater. It just, just depends on your, your, your property. But dollar for dollar, when you factor that in, you can get a higher return post-tax than you would if you invested the same amount of money in a single got it, got home. Got it. And what about um, condo fees? How do, uh, you know, do you have a limit of what you'll pay on a condo fee for a rental? You know, typically I just look at the big picture. I look at the entire cash on cash return of the entire deal. I do, I am cautious of, you know, condo, condo associations. You definitely want to do some due diligence around them to understand, you know, what the, what the dues are, how much they have in reserves, whether or not the dues have been going up, whether or not there's any special assessments. A special assessment might be maybe the property had a large expense, like maybe they needed to, in the last year, replace all the roofs and they didn't have enough money in their reserves. So they, they, they did a special assessment for a year or two to you know, assess more money from the homeowners to pay for the roofs. Yeah, or they've been chatting i mean you got to read the meetings of uh, the, the minutes from the last couple of meetings because there may be chatter yeah. in, in said uh, minutes about a special assessment coming up because there's a big crack in the parking garage or something so yeah, yeah you could definitely get burned there if you're not paying attention with the condo so how many did you buy how many condos did you buy so i bought uh 24 condos sweet yeah how many do you still have uh, i still have 20 two condos. Okay. And then in 2013, I bought my first multifamily property. Uh, you know, when I say multifamily, I'm referring to five units or more. Um, and those, that was a 12 unit uh, deal in Denver. I bought in December of 2013. Originally, I was planning on holding that thing for 10 years. I had a performa that said, you know, that projected out what my exit price was going to be and you know my return 
And I'll tell you, Pat, it was crazy. About a year and three months in, I was approached by a buyer that ended up uh, giving me the same amount for that property that I was expecting to exit after 10 years. And so I figured, hey, a year, a little over a year in, let's, you know, bird in hand, let's take that, take that return and go invest it into something else. Wow. yeah, that's when I 1031'd into uh, the 64-unit apartment complex in Texas. And so, you know, so again, keep in mind, at this point, I had been investing in Colorado. Now I'm off and, you know, doing business in Texas. And, and the reason for that is because Colorado's real estate market is so strong right now, which is great because I still own so many of those condos and single family homes. So what do you mean it's so strong? It's strong for a seller? It's strong for a seller. Yes. So it's a seller's market. It sure is. It sure is. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons why that's happening in Colorado. Um, you know, one of the, probably the greatest reasons in in my humble opinion is there's just not a, a a great amount of inventory for first-time home buyers. There's uh, all those condos um, that we talked about. There's a lot of developers that you know built properties in the last oh, 15 or so years that you know were sued for construction defects, and you know suing uh, developers for construction defects almost became a sport for uh, for some of the law firms around town. And uh, they were quite successful in getting money out of the developers. Well, just because they had like some leaks in the condos or whatever? Yes, yes. You and name they, it. And so because of that, uh, all the condo developers have run away and, mm-hmm. and no one's building anything affordable anymore is what you're saying. Exactly. And exactly. it can also be, you know, what, what happens a lot is um, the economics on affordable housing aren't as great as they are on – you know, luxury housing or, or higher end housing. And if the market's good on second homes and you can make more profit on second and third homes, you tend to see builders, at least this is my opinion and what I've seen, you tend to see builders building, you know, $500,000, $600,000 houses uh, as opposed to $100,000 ones just because they can make more money on them, period. You know, yep. it's more profit margin. So um, so that happens too. And of course, you got all the weed there, right? So when you say that's a lot, right? People are flocking there to get jobs in the weed world. Yeah, you know, and, you know, we talk about that a lot. You know, uh, myself and my partners and people I work with, yeah, I haven't seen any solid data that indicates that, yes, you know, Colorado's, you know, population and economy is growing, you know, because of the marijuana you know, uh, becoming legalized and stuff like that. It's certainly possible. And, you know, I, I definitely, you know, consider it with caution as well, because if that is true, you know, it's still not legal at the federal level. And, you know, there, there's a lot of things that could happen. You could, you could get an administration, you know, in that decided to enforce the, the federal law, which could, you know, bring it to a screeching halt. The flip side could happen as well. They could end up just making it legal at the federal level and then all of the states across the country would would proceed to, 
legalize it and you know then people might decide to you know pack up and go back home well, most so, of them are already i mean it's it's just they're they're falling like dominoes so but yeah. being the first one in i think you benefited especially with the, on the recreational side where you guys just sure. decided to go recreational you know from the get-go so okay so let's uh, let's get back to real estate and get off a of weed here um so let's talk about um <laughs> so you started buying multifamily. so how many multifamilies do you own so i i just have the 64 unit right now and but I am continuing to look for deals, and I've been focused in Dallas and and Texas markets because you know you can still find some some deals out there. It's been difficult in Colorado, so but deals are still out in Texas. To so be where'd at. you where'd you buy the sixty four unit? I bought it in Irving, Texas, which is okay. in Dallas County. Yep, and it's a great sub market, about two hundred and thirty thousand people. I bought a C-class property mm -hmm. uh, that I, you know, spent the first six months renovating, and that's pretty much done. Uh, I'm happy to say that uh, everything has been renting up above my performer rents. So I'm a, at this point, I'm about eight, eight, nine months in, and uh, you know, I've already uh, exceeded my uh, rent projections um, per square foot for you know the what I where I expected to be by the end of the first year. So so how, so tell me about how you did that because that's certainly something that everyone would love to do to go from buying condos, buying one condo to buying twenty two condos, and then the next jump is sixty four unit apartment building. Like so, how much how much of your own money did you use to buy this sixty four uh, apartments? So I put about two hundred and sixteen thousand of my own dollars. And how much was deal. it? The total capitalization was six hundred and thirty-one thousand. Wait a minute, and is that the down payment, or is that the what did it cost to buy? And that was the that was that was all in. So that was the down payment. That was closing costs. That was attorney fees. So uh, what was the sale price on the sixty-four units? I ended up buying it for about uh, two point six million. So two point six, uh, okay, mm -hmm. divided by six. So about forty forty thousand a door. Yeah, a little a, a hair over forty thousand a door because, uh, you know, I'm also factoring in my uh, capex, you know, in the first year. So I got a great uh, agency loan on it, and by agency I mean it was a Fannie Mae small balance non recourse loan. And they uh, allowed me to roll up three hundred and twenty-five thousand in renovation into my loan. So, what are you doing there? You, you uh, how, first of all, what was the vacancy on it? The vacancy wasn't too bad. It's around ninety percent, or excuse me, the vacancy was around ten uh, percent. Ten percent. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, it, it's pretty it good. Is. Pretty good for a place that needs three hundred thousand dollars worth of work. What? What? Uh, so, what are you doing now? What? How are you spending this three hundred G's? Well, about a hundred and ten thousand of it is going into interior renovations. So my goal was to renovate about half of the units with about a hundred and ten thousand dollars. And what I'm doing is I'm going in and as unit, as leases turn, I'm just applying a standard template. You know, refinishing the countertops, putting in new appliance packages uh, because the appliances were were all probably twenty years old. Uh, and, and, you know, going in and putting in new plumbing and lighting fixtures, new paint, new flooring, you know, just the basic, so you're upgrading. you know, yeah, and then, facelift. and then you're going to be able to raise the rents by about how much after you do this. 
Oh, I've been I've been raising rents anywhere from 125 to 175 dollars per month for every unit that we finish. Wow! And it's so, what was what was when you when you bought it? What would you say the immediate cash on cash is? The immediate cash on cash in the first year back to my investors is about 11 percent. But it's it's possible with the way things are going. I've been paying draws since um, you know every every single month since we acquired. Okay, so you put in two hundred grand of your own money. You got some investors in for four hundred. Um, the bank gave you three hundred. So you spent you know essentially that's those are the numbers, right? And the rest you borrowed. You borrowed two million bucks. Yeah, yeah, two point four million. Oh, I see. Right, because of the repairs, two point four right. million. Okay, and now what's your goal? with that mark is your goal to you know sell it after a certain amount of years is your goal to refinance it and take your money back out after you fix it up or is your goal just to hold it forever you know uh we're definitely going to have a capital event within the next year to year and a half and by capital event i mean you know we're gonna we're gonna at very least take take our cash out you know do a supplemental loan on it take some of our cash out but you know if the market continues to trend like it is which you know we don't know we'll just we'll just continue to watch but if it does i, I might just sell it in 1031 into something else my biggest concern right now as it is with a lot of owners that i talk to is what do you do with the money no one wants to pay the taxes they want to defer the taxes so you know that's that's kind of a a thing looming on everyone's mind right now is is whether or not to sell and if they do they definitely want a 1031 into something else yeah i mean you'd have to find a a place that's better that's not peaking as much you know and you'd have to do some due diligence there you know i mean i mean um what we've done with ours is you know we've moved from texas to georgia so that would be an answer to a question is you where can you move you know texas to georgia but right now you just bought in texas so you're you're all in there how did you find it why did you buy there uh give us some insight there just some in case some people listening are curious and want to know okay here's a dude from colorado and he's why didn't he buy in colorado if he was buying all these condos and why did he go to texas yeah. So the way I ended up in Texas is uh, I sit in the office. My, my cousin has been in the multifamily business for 30 years. And, you know, I was fortunate that when I decided to leave the corporate job, you know, uh, he gave me the opportunity to come jo- job shadow him. So, you know, he's been like a mentor to me. So I sit in his office and, you know, he you know, is, is very well established in Texas. And so through that affiliation, I ran across this property. Okay. So you had, you had someone you trusted there as a partner. I did. And, and, and we didn't end up partnering on the deal. Um, I have, I have other partners on this deal. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely the sponsor and the, you know, the, the, the lead guy on the deal, but, you know, sitting in his office, getting to watch how these bigger deals are done has been, a huge benefit. And, and quite frankly, Pat, as you know, 64 units, I mean, that, that, that was big to me at the time, but it's relatively small in the grand scheme of things. But this, this property had been on the market for nine months with somebody else, and the listing got stale. I think the mistake that the prior owner made 
was he just had this idea in his head of how much he wanted to get for the property, and he turned down a number of offers. And nine months went by, and when a property sits on the market that long, we just know it gets stale. The you know, and 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 so the I just swooped in uh, in about nine months, and you know was able to scoop the property up. The rest is history. So so yep. let's that, that's exciting, and and congratulations, and uh, sounds like you did a a, a good one there. So um, okay, so let's get back a little bit, and then we'll wrap this up. I'm curious about this. So. I believe, and I think a lot of people that you would talk to to believe, that if you took the real estate market today on a scale of 1 to 10, that you know 5 would be absolute equilibrium, 7, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 are all seller's market, anything below 5 is buyer's market, right? Mm-hmm. Investors, you know, if you really want to uh, you know, do things right, you buy below 5 and you sell above 5. Right. So you clearly, you know, 2011, we were below five. Right. 2016, you know, we're above five. We're probably seven and a half, eight, nine, depending on who you talk to. Some people say we're at 10. Parts of California are at 10. Parts of Texas are at 10. I think. I don't know. Who am I? Where do you think Colorado is between five and 10? I think Colorado is definitely a 10. It just really? ama- it's yeah. peaking. So why why wouldn't you sell? Why why don't you sell those twenty two condos or at least half of them? Yeah, you know th- I think about that a lot. Uh, and and the fact of the matter is is I get tremendous cash flow off of my properties. In fact, last year uh, I was raising rents. You know, a couple hundred bucks on some you know on some properties. I said to myself, I can't believe that this property is pulling this much in rent. Well, here we are a year later, and it's happening again. You know, renewing leases at you know a hundred, two hundred dollars more than they were last year. And so I'm once again saying to myself, I'm just amazed at you know how much the 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 rent you know the rents have grown. So I get a tremendous amount of cash flow off of my properties. I enjoy that. Uh, but the the other thing is is like I mentioned earlier, I think a lot about you know where if I was a 1031 the property, I've got to be able to identify another property within 45 days. Uh, I'm not concerned about closing on it in 180. That's easy, but but identifying within 45 days is a challenge. So well, if if you're afraid to pay taxes, yes, yes, yeah. and and I, and, not- and and I think that you know. I think that that's a misconception that a, that a lot of people think wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong with paying taxes. I mean, I sold uh, several things uh, in the last twelve months, and I'm just paying taxes on. Sure. You know, it's 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 called taking money off the table. It's called you know playing craps in Las Vegas and 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 pulling your money back and going to your hotel room and sticking it under your bed. Yeah, so you pay some taxes on it, but it's it's. Uh, I think that's okay. I think there's a misconception there. So I want to I want to bring this up. The, uh, this this is very interesting because you know I was having this conversation the other day. Whereas you know we were buying apartments for you know twenty five a door, thirty a door, thirty five a door. We we just put an offer on one at forty two a door. You know similar to yours, right? Um, and I was talking to my guy Andrew Cushman, and I was like, Andrew, you know, you know, we're at forty-two a door. The 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 market is going up. We're buying into a seller's market. I said, you know, is this the right thing to do? 
you know? And uh, he said exactly what you said. He said, Pat, here's the peculiar thing. Well, it's not peculiar, but the, the, the good part about it is, yes, it's getting more expensive to buy these apartments or houses, but what's happening is the rents are going up uh, just as fast. So you're going to pay more and things are worth more, but then rents are more. So there's a, a great question there are, do rates stay? Do rates ever drop? I mean, not rates, rents drop drastically. I can't say I remember except for some specific situations that I've had in the past. And I've owned real estate for you know 25 years um, where rents have drastically dropped or, or continue to drastically drop um, over time. So I think it's a good thing, you know, and I think rents will stay, but again, who knows? Yeah. You know, I agree with you. I think about that too. And, you know, even though the market is strong, I tend to be a believer that the deal of a lifetime comes around once a week, you know, and, and the fact is, is that we all see value differently. You know, how, you know, how I go and extract value out of a property might be different than how the next guy that, that maybe even owns the property chose to extract value from that property. There might be more meat on the bone. Uh, that's why I love value-add deals, deals that I can come in, you know, invest some CapEx, raise rents, uh, you know, and, and, and realize my return. Yeah, and, I, and the, the great thing about that, going back to taxes, uh, is that, you know, you get to write off all those expenses the first year, and uh, it creates this, this incredible loss on your tax return. It uh, does. So, anyway, so th this has been great, Mark. I really appreciate you coming on the show. I love, you know, this fresh talk. I, th I thank you for answering the direct questions and being so candid with our audience because, you know, you're a guy who did it, right? And you did it recently. And now you're basically living off of your income that you got through investing in real estate, right? I mean, you could go away for, right. for three weeks and, and all your bills would be paid from these 22 units plus the 64, right? <laughs> That's right. And, and by the way, I do do that pretty frequently. I do disappear for a week, two, three weeks at a time. And I have to admit, it's, it's, it's pretty nice. Uh, so that's what it's about, buddy. So listen, I'm going to put all of Mark's information on hybendigital.com backslash Mark Walker. And that's easy. W-A-L-K-E-R. Hybendigital.com backslash Mark Walker. Mark has a a free report is going to give everybody. Uh, tell, tell us about that free report. Yeah, you know, I've obviously learned a lot of lessons along the way. And, you know, I, I want to share that with your listeners as a way of saying thanks for listening. I've written a guide that I call 10 Not-So-Obvious Ways to Boost Your Multifamily Property NOI. And th this is essentially just, you know, some of the best lessons that I've learned along the way. When it comes to a multifamily property, you want to increase income and de decrease expenses. And there's some, you know, creative ways to do that that I've captured in this guide that I, I, I want to, you know, share with your listeners. And if they invest in multifamily, even if you're a realtor and, you do, and, and, and you're not, you haven't bought a multifamily property yet, I recommend you read this because you, you'll be able to speak the language and, and you might be able to uh, grab yourself a listing for an investor that, that wants to sell a multifamily property. Yeah, so, and, it, and better yet, it's free. So go to hybendigital.com backslash Mark Walker. It'll all be there with the show notes. Mark, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Best of luck to you in Denver, buddy. And hopefully we'll meet face-to-face -face someday. We can break some bread. I look forward to that, Pat. Sounds delicious. Thanks so much. 
episode is brought to you by Rebus University. Hey guys, Pat here. You've heard me talk about Rebus University and the success we're having with it. Have over 120 people taking the listing agent course right now as we speak. Wanted to read you a, a comment. I've got seven comments, all five star comments on it. And it says, wow, first class material. Jeff Cohn is a rock star. Rachel Adams is a rock star. All the presenters deliver tons of value. Thank you, Pat, for drawing out that little extra from each presenter. If you are a realtor or thinking about becoming one, invest in yourself with Rebus University. I couldn't say it better. Dion hit it right on the head. We've had a ton of people graduate. The other day I read off the list. We've had a lot of people in there talking on the dialogue section. Some of the, the greatest things that people like are, are the way we talk about rapport building, commission enhancements, sales techniques, objection handling, all the good stuff that are going to help you beat your competition over and over again on listing appointments and never, ever, ever lose a listing again to a competitor. And we make sure that by creating quizzes, there's 42 tests that you got to take and get an 80% or better on before you get your certificate as a pass for a certified listing agent. So as a listener of the show, I, I have a coupon. It's a hundred bucks off. Just go to hybendigital.com backslash discount, hybendigital.com backslash discount. It'll take you to the Rebus site. And uh, on the Rebus site, which is rebusuniversity.com, you can look at, you can even play in some of the modules. You can look at a couple of the, the videos for free, kind of take it for a test run highly recommend it and of course when you get the course on how to win every listing you get 28 downloads that are completely downloadable print them out change them make put your name on and make them the way you want that all these eight agents from around the world who are top 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 listing agents use on a daily basis when they go on their listing appointment. So in addition to the 10 hours plus of video, the 42 quizzes and the 28 downloads, you get all of that. And then you get a discussion board where you can talk to other Rebus students at the same time. So hybendigital.com backslash discount. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.